0: What's up everybody? I'm here. <laughs> Trying to deal with something at the last minute. So, anyway, here we are. We're going to take a look tonight kind of to discuss Colossians chapter 3. So, if you have if you're in a position where you can do so, go ahead and open your Bibles up there. To Colossians chapter 3. Hello Isaac, good to have you here again. Scrambling around at the last minute again to get things going here, but um, God is good. So yeah, we're going to take a look at some scriptures again tonight and then, you know, um, If you have some prayer requests, if you're out there, you're watching, you have some prayer requests, and if you've come upon this, you're not watching live, but you've come upon the recorded version of it, um, you can also contact us via email. You can contact me directly, Dave at aloveoutreach.com, and we'd love to pray for you or help you in any way that we can in your walk with the Lord. But let's get, since I'm feeling rushed around, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to go ahead and read some of the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. God, another day that you have made that we can rejoice and be glad in, Lord. And Lord, even as we, you know, go through the this daily life, the daily grind, as they say, Lord, we can become busy and You know, and just distracted in so many different ways, Lord. But it's always good, Lord, when we can just sit down at your feet by sitting down in front of your word, Lord, and just fellowshipping with one another and just fixing our eyes on you, Lord, and taking our eyes off of the things of this world and the chaos and all that may go on around us, Lord. We just lift this before you tonight, this time together, and we thank you for it. And we pray that as we read your word, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, Lord, and that is speak to our hearts and renew us in the spirit of our minds, Lord, that we might grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. We thank you and we praise you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So Colossians chapter three, just some scriptures that um, when I opened up, the Bible. Earlier, I started to read, and I said, "Well, I'll just we'll just talk about these tonight, kind of see where things go from there." Again, if you have any questions or anything that pertains to your daily life and your walk with the Lord, um, love to help you with that or pray with you about that. But so, verse uh, Colossians chapter three, verse one says, "If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above." where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Here again, we see an exhortation from the word of God to fix our eyes on not the things of this world, just as I was just praying. I am thinking about the distractions, you know, that I'm having, you know, right before I go online, you know. So, but... You know, he's telling us here, the Apostle Paul wrote this letters to the believers in the city of Colossae, and he's exhorting them here just to seek those things that are above. Again, it is so easy to get so bogged down and so weighed down by the things of this life to where we lose our peace, we lose our joy, Um, we get so out of focus and life can become so chaotic and such at times. So he says in verse two right here, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So this is an exhortation that the apostle Paul gives us, but Jesus also gave a very similar exhortation telling us to 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 not be burdened by this world, you know, and and to just, you know, keep our mind on him we talked i think maybe it was last wednesday or two wednesdays ago i guess it was now that we talked about he keeps them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him fixed on him right so when we gather like this around the word of god or when you read the word of god yourself you know in your in your daily devotions or whenever you you read the bible um, it's always a good time just to unwind and cast all of our cares upon the Lord and refocus and say, okay, look, maybe this week, maybe in the last hour or whatever, maybe we're not been setting our minds on the right things, so we've been all you know, in turmoil and, you know, all kind of things like that. Right. But in verse three, he says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's such an interesting thing. I might've mentioned this before, but I remember when I was an early Christian, you know, I had just come to Christ back in 1986, you know, and was just beginning to walk with the Lord and grow in the Lord and such, still growing in the Lord, still learning and growing. But, I remember thinking about, you know, if someone wanted to talk to me, the old me, you know, this was just a mental picture, you know, but it was like they'd have to go to a gravesite because the old me had died and now my life was hidden with Christ in God. And that's the case still today, right? It's just that we still walk on this earth. We're still going through the things of this life, you know, and we're dealing with things in this life. You know, and in this world, Jesus promised we have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. So our our life is hidden with Christ in God. And that's where we have to get the focus of our minds. And I'll be the first to tell you, it's not always easy, you know, but that's where the Lord wants us to be. He wants us to be at perfect peace with our minds stayed on him, with our minds not set on the things of this earth, but on the things that are above, right? And then it says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that's what we have to look forward to. In the meantime, Again, we're in this body, we're in this tent. Um, the outward man is perishing, but the inward man can be renewed day by day. So we walk by faith, not by sight, right? But the day is gonna come when the the way we have to walk right now in Christ will be no more because we will be in his presence. We will be with him in glory and oh What a wonderful time that's going to be, right? Therefore, he says, now here's some exhortation. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Again, I'm reading from Colossians chapter three. He says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, so now he's getting you know, down to the nitty gritty here and saying these things shouldn't even be named amongst, among us. You know, yes, we go through life where there's trials and there's, you know, chaos sometimes and all of that kind of stuff exists, but, but we shouldn't have this. We need to put this stuff to death and not have this rule and reign in our lives, you know, where we're giving into the passion of the outward man. The outward man, again, is perishing, right? But we should be being renewed, right? The inward man being renewed, right? So evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. It says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So he is exhorting. Now notice something here. Who is Paul given this exhortation to? He is given this exhortation to believers, Christians. That's who's reading his letter, okay? And he's and he's saying, hey, he's encouraging them, he's exhorting them. Why? Because all of us are tempted. All of us go through things in this life. All of us have things that, you know, can, can eat at us and, you know, distract us from setting our mind on the things that are above, as it talks about here in this chapter. So, it's important that though we put aside that we're focused on putting aside certain things in our lives, especially the sinful things like he mentions here, the fornication and the uncleanness and passion and evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry, right? Where we're desiring the things of the world, we're coveting the things of the world, you know? And it's, and it just ends up just eating away at us and tearing us up more and more, right? but it says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It said, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. So it's speaking to the fact that there is a time in a person's life when they are indeed walking in a disobedient way to God. Again, maybe you're somebody that's been brought up in a Christian home, in a Bible, you know, reading home or whatever, but still the same. We all have to come to that place where we decide we're not going to be one of the sons and daughters of disobedience anymore. We are going to be a child of, of God who is walking in obedience, right? And he says though, in which you yourself once walked, when you lived in them. So there was that time, right? But now, right? So now it's new. Look at verse eight here. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. So here again, just some more things that Paul is encouraging these born again, these new believers. Remember, at this time, they're all pretty much pretty new believers. I mean there are elders in the church. The church has been going on for, you know, some years now, but Paul is encouraging believers here not to be this way. Again, not the fornicator, not unclean, not evil desires, not being covetous, but also not being angry. And, you know, wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of our mouths. We're to be putting those things away. So, Again, when you read the word of God, be sure that you read it from a, you know, a standpoint, not of condemnation, because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? But read it from the standpoint of exhortation. So if you find yourself where, okay, you struggle with anger or you struggle with filthy language or covetousness or evil desires or uncleanness or these things, right? Yes, the opportunity is there. And especially when you're reading the word of God like this and you're hearing the word of God, the opportunity is there to just put it aside. But also remember that this is an exhortation to believers. It's not condemnation, okay? But I'm kind of like, speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because I want to say that don't accept the sin in your life just because there's no condemnation. Know that God and his word is exhorting us here and he tells us, right? He tells us that because of this, the... Um, Because of these things, verse six again says the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So we don't want to be a son or a daughter of disobedience. We want to be a child of God who is obedient to the word of God. Okay, and it says, goes on to give more instruction in verse nine, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. In other words, the the lying, a person that, you know, makes a practice of lying or it's no big deal to them to lie, you know, they're still living in accordance with the old man, not that person that has been born again of the spirit of God and is walking in obedience to the Lord, they're walking in the old ways, okay and that's the man that we are being told here to put off that old man and when we use the term man here we're talking about that inward part of you so it can be part of one man woman or part of man okay it's not gender specific here but it's just saying we're to put off that our old way of life right and it says and have put on he says, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Very powerful verse of scripture right there, right? We have put on a new man and we've been renewed in knowledge. We've got some enlightenment now. We know what the truth is. We've been born again of the spirit. We have the word of God. It's written right here in front of us, the things that we are to put off and the things that we are to put on, right? And realize that we are created in the image of God, him who created us, right? And this is a knowledge that we now have through the study of the word of God and the reading of the word of God, we can have this knowledge. So now we know better. Now we know better, and since we know better, then we need to do what the word of God says and be obedient to putting off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of our mouth and such, right? So he says, where there is neither, speaking of being in Christ now, right? There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. All. That's what it's all about. It's not about the outward. You know, it is so sad today that there is so much focus on the outward. You know, I mean, not just like the clothes we wear and what we put on and all of that kind of stuff, right? But even from a, a, a racial standpoint, so much looking at the outside you know, so much looking at the color of skin or our race or our ethnicity, whatever you want to call it, all these things, right? And, and that doesn't matter in Christ anymore because Christ is in us. That's all that matters is do you have Christ in you? It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a non-Jew, if you're black, if you're white or Hispanic, whatever the case may be, none of that matters Doesn't matter your religion, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised here, which which Paul's talking about here, which was a big thing of the Jewish religion, right? You know, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're slave or whether you're free, none of that matters. All that matters is that Christ is in us and that we're being obedient to him and we're walking in him. Okay. Let me pause for a moment here and read a comment. The part when you said do not accept your sin due to the lack of discipline in your life was an excellent point. Thank you Isaac. Yeah, it's it's very easy to do. It's very easy to do to get to a point where we become complacent, you know, and just because, you know, we're seeing so much of the world around us because we're focused on so much of the world around us and we're not setting our sight on the things that are above, right? We get sucked into the things of this world and then we become complacent and then we be begin to say, "Yeah, oh, it doesn't matter, everybody's doing this or I can accept this, but it's not what Christ wants for us. It's not what his spirit is leading us to. So he's leading us to a place where we are children of God. And he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, and beloved, What does that holy mean? It means set apart, right? We're, we're, we're not getting into all these other things like the world around us, the filthy language and the anger and the malice and the blasphemy and, and looking at the color of skin and, and looking at all of that kind of stuff. Who cares, right? All that matters is that Christ, all that matters is that Christ is in us and we're walking in him and being obedient to him. So I'm kind of laughing a little bit at myself because um, I'll just tell you something here, right? I use the word alls, right? And my kids um, have over the years kind of joked with me about it that I use the word alls, uh, plural all, I guess. (laughs) And I said it, I said alls that matters. But anyway, it's just part of my, bad language, I guess, right? (laughs) Therefore, right, as elect of God, holy and beloved, right? So that's set apart, right? Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Do you see how these things are different than anger and malice you know, and and these other things, humility here, right? We're humbling ourselves. We're not being covetous, right? We're not saying, I have to go after this. I have to have this, the lust of the flesh, right? The lust of the eye, the pride of life. But instead, we're putting on kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering, right? That long-suffering is suffering long, being patient, right, right? So we all have to learn these things and we grow in these things on a daily basis. And thanks be to God that his mercy is new every morning. It's a new opportunity for us to begin today to walk in these ways, to walk in the ways of the Lord. Because when you think about tender mercy in kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, you can't help but think about Jesus, our Lord, right? We can't help but think about him and see how he was. And we know that we've got to focus on being there. How do we do it? Go back to the beginning of the chapter. Don't set our sights on the things of this world. Set our sights on the things that are above, okay? Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do." Right, this is big time in all of our lives, right? Maybe there's things that have happened in your life uh, over the years, maybe a parent even, or somebody did something to you, somebody mistreated you in a way that, that you have, you have a legitimate complaint against them in your own mind, right? The spirit of the Lord, when, when we go back to verse 12 there, when we're walking in tender mercy, when we're walking in kindness and humility and meekness and long suffering, we'll be able to say, I forgive that person. I forgive what they've done. And you know, And maybe even reconcile with them and restore that relationship with them if there's opportunity to do so. But we cannot be harboring bitterness in our own hearts, you know, toward what other people have done to us, right? But he says in verse fourteen, "But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection." That's the key thing. Remember, remember, the Apostle Paul said, "Now these thing, these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these." He said, is love. And Paul said, doesn't matter what else you can do, it doesn't matter if you give your body to be burned, how religious you are, any of that kind of stuff. None of it matters if we're not walking in love, and in verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So we see a couple things there, right? We're to be thankful. We're to be grateful. We're to, you know, think about the thing. When you take time to really think about all that is good in your life, all that is lovely, all that is of good report, when you think about what you've been given and how you've been blessed, you can't help but be thankful. Now, to the contrary, when you've got complaints against people, And you think people have robbed you and you think people have done you wrong and you're bitter and all of that kind of stuff. Well, you don't have tender mercy, kindness, humility, and all that, right? So you're unthankful. You're going to find yourself unthankful. You're going to find yourself being covetous too because you're going to be wanting what you don't have, thinking you deserve something that you don't have. So it's important that we take the scriptures. And this is why we read the word of the word of God, right? And it's why I teach it in the way that I do, is so that we can apply it to our lives and internalize it. And here, here, look, at, look at verse sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. Okay, so. I've been going through the book of Proverbs, doing some live teachings of the book of Proverbs and some recorded as well, but it's all about getting wisdom, getting understanding, getting knowledge, and it says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's where it all begins, right? So when we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, you know, we will have that wisdom that we need and and verse 16 continues and said teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord now here's where you see where it's important to gather You see that word, uh, those two words, one another, in verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another? You're not to be an island in Christ, right? You, You want people that you can talk with about the things of God. You can teach one another, admonish one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's a, so when you go to a church and you know, a lot of times it's, it's unfortunate, but a lot of churches put too much emphasis on one thing and you might go into a church and it's like you're going into a big old rock concert or whatever the case may be. And you know, that's all well and good, right? As long as it's admonishing one another, as long as it's edifying to everybody there, right? The, the hymns and the spiritual songs and singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. But it is important that you have that aspect in your life where you've got other believers around you, whether you're doing that on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or any other day of the week. You're gathering around other believers and you're doing this kind of thing and you're letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're doing everything we do in the name of Jesus, right? Just like we read earlier, Christ will dwell in us richly, okay? And that's the main point. Verse 11, going back to, to that. What matters is not what ethnicity, ethnicity we are, not what religion we are, none of that stuff, not whether we're rich or poor, just whether we have Christ in us, okay? And, and then when we do, whatever we do, in word or in deed, so whatever we're speaking, again, going back to that filthy language thing coming out of your mouth, The words of our mouth, you know, David said, uh, King David said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, in other words, the things that you're thinking on, David said, let that be acceptable in your sight, Lord. And that's how we should live, okay? So, whether in word or indeed, whether we're doing something or saying something, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? Then we get into some more specific instructions here, right? About the order that God has established. God has established perfect order in this world. I mean, just look at creation itself. I mean, how everything is held together, how everything consists, you know, and how the earth continues to rotate and the sun continues to shine on the earth and just a perfect order. And God has even given perfect order for things like marriage and the home. And he says in verse 18, wives submit to your own husband. As is fitting in the Lord. In other words, in the Lord, this is a good thing. This is what the Lord wants. He wants wives to submit to your own husbands. Okay, now we live in a day and age where, you know, this type of thing is scoffed at and, you know, ridiculed and all of that kind of stuff. And look, I understand that there are times when this type of thing could be ridiculed. And that is when. A husband is not a man of God. A husband is walking around with filthy language. He's covetous, right? These things that we have read about in this chapter, right? He's angry. He's not long-suffering. He does not have tender mercy. He does not have kindness and all of that. I'm sure that's difficult for a wife to submit to. But look at verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them, right? So we're to, the man, in God's order, the man is to love his wife. Lay down his wife, lay down his life for his wife, okay? As Christ laid down his life for the church. We're to be the man, the husband, is to be like Christ in a relationship. If he's not, well then, yeah, very difficult for a woman to submit to a man like that, okay? Now look at further order. Again, God gets very detailed in the word here through the, through the apostles like Paul here who wrote this. Children, we're gonna get down to the children now. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So here's the relationship of the child to their parents. Obedience. Just like we're to be obedient to our Father God, to our Lord, right? We're to be obedient. And this is well-pleasing to the Lord. That's the reason to do it. If you need a reason to do it, that's the reason to do it. You know, it's well-pleasing to the Lord. Do you want your life to be well-pleasing to the Lord? Look at the end of verse 18. It says, as is fitting in the Lord. When it talks about wives submitting. The end of verse 20 here, well-pleasing to the Lord. Okay, these are the details in the order that God wants in our lives, okay? Check this one out. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So that's an exhortation to those that are fathers to not provoke their children, right? To, to prod at them, to tease them, to make them angry, to, to train them up to be bitter by the way you raise them. Right, we have to be careful with that. We don't want them, to, we don't want our children to become discouraged. Right, then bond servants. Right, which we don't have that much of that today. Right, bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Now, a lot of people, and I think kind of rightfully so, I don't think it's taken too much liberty to apply this to your work. Where you're going to work, obviously you're getting paid, you're not a servant, you're not a slave, you're getting paid, Um, but you have a boss over you and they have a job. And we should be people that when we go out and when we work in the world, we should not be doing it as men pleasers, in other words, trying to gain attention to ourselves, but in sincerity of heart, we are fearing God. And again, these instructions. You know, are fitting with the Lord, pleasing the Lord, and fearing God. When we do these things, that's what we're doing. We're doing all of this in the name of the Lord. Okay? We're, we're, we're not doing it, you know, for our own glory, you know, or to be um, deceitful you know, in the way that we live our lives and such, right? We should be doing this as unto the Lord. So that's the exhortation that we're getting here in the word of God. Where does it begin? All the way back at the beginning of the chapter here. Again, setting our sights on things above, right? How do we get tender mercy? How do we get loving kindness? You know, all of these things, How do we have the mind of Christ? We have the spirit of the Lord within us and we yield to the leading of the spirit of the Lord. And verse 29 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So this is talking about, it's not talking about spiritual things. It's talking about whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So, your daily chores, the things you do on a daily basis, the commitments that you make, the jobs that you take on, whatever it may be, right? You need to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Have you ever heard the saying, I'm reading a, um, one of the uh, chats here, comments from Isaac. Have you ever heard the saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? The Believer's Bible Commentary brings that up in regards to appropriate behavior in Christian home. Yeah, I've heard that saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, Um, more so from the standpoint of like, you know, I've heard it like, well, the mother rules the world, right? She's rocking the cradle. Um, but yeah, but yes, uh, in I, I'm not sure. I, I've, I've not read it in the Believer's Bible Commentary, or, or doesn't come to mind from there right now. But um, you say you say that brings it up in regards to appropriate behavior in the Christian world. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, how to relate that. Maybe you can expound on that a little bit more, Isaac. But yeah, how to, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, talks about the importance of the mother and the father in the Christian home. And yes, I see here the influence of the parent, you know, and how that impacts the behavior of the children and how it impacts the world as well as a result because that hand that rocks the cradle has to be not discouraging their children, not provoking their children to wrath and to anger and to things like that, but training them up in the way that they should go. Yeah, so I, it took me a minute to catch on there to what you were saying there. But yes, definitely see it that way, um, that it parenting matters. You know, as much as we want children to be obedient to their parents, the parents, the children have to have good parents to start with, right? They got to have people that are going to direct them and guide them in the right way. That's why our prisons are so full of people that did not have good parenting in their life, or they might have had a single parent in their life. And I'm not saying that that single parent wasn't good, but they didn't have a fatherly figure in many cases, The family unit was designed by God for the preservation of much that is worthwhile in life, as less and less attention is devoted to the home. Even so, our civilization deteriorates rapidly. True that, (laughs) true that, Isaac. It it is the case. We do see the civilization uh, deteriorating rapidly. Yes, and that was more elaborate. I understand exactly what you're saying. It took me a minute just to catch on to it, but um, it's true. You know, I was kind of, um, and maybe I shouldn't even bring it up because I'm not promoting the book, but someone mentioned a book called A Drift, and it was about where the country's going, where America's going. And it says, like, the country is a drift right now but it brings up main i think it's mainly talking about economical issues and things like that but i really believe that the country is adrift for other reasons and that is is that we're not a country that has morality in the forefront of our minds where we're training up our children in the way that they should go where there are good parents doing this where there are children being obedient to their parents it's going to cause the country to go adrift. But anyway, verse, um, so getting back to it here. Thank you for that excellent input, Isaac. That's awesome. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Here again, what's the focus? Are we servants of men? Are we men pleasers or are we setting our sights on things above? We should be serving the Lord. And when we're serving the Lord, we're going to have that order. We're going to have peace. We're going to have tender mercy. We're going to have all of these things that Paul talks about in this letter here, in this section of this letter, right? And it's, it's to him that we owe all the glory. It's to him that we owe all the honor. And the way that we should be living is in a way that is pleasing to him. And verse 25 says, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. So that's a stern warning there as he writes this to Christians. You will be repaid. You do reap what you sow. And there's no partiality when it comes to that. We do reap what we sow, and that's why we need to be exhorted in the Word of God like this, and realizing that we need to grow in the Lord more and more, so that we too, I mean, when you talk about a country becoming adrift, we have to be careful that we don't become adrift, just floating out there, away from the foundation and the stability that God has for us. Look at how God cares about order. He cares about the order of a marriage. He cares about the order of children. You know, that children are orderly, that the husbands are orderly, and wives, and, and parents, and fathers, and workers. You know, all of the stuff that we see in this chapter. God cares about all these things, He is in the details. He does care about these details, but he wants us, more importantly, to be focused right and caring about the details ourselves. So, that's chapter three of Colossians. Um, I'm going to hang on here. If anybody has any more comments or prayer requests or anything like that, i um, love to pray for you. Pray with you about that. Um, just a quick announcement here: we're going to be going out of town um, on Friday, so I won't be available next Wednesday for this. But Lord willing, the Wednesday after that, we'll do this again. But um, I would just like to exhort you and encourage you to uh, keep those in prayer that you know have lost so much in Florida. Um, you know, we have family members that lost their home. Uh, there, We found out today that their home was condemned. You know, it was, it was taken off of the foundation and the roof is beyond repair and all of that. So, um, you know, many people going through many things like that and these are difficult times for people and it's important that we keep them in prayer as well. And these are brothers and sisters in Christ as well, so... But yeah, I'll go ahead and hang on here for a minute and I'm just gonna go ahead and pray right now. And um, hold on, my wife has something to say. Question, hopefully you can, I know you can answer, but um, the question is how do you explain to somebody what born again means who is not in the faith? Okay. So my wife is asking a question: How do you explain to somebody what born again is who is not in the faith? Probably because I mentioned that term so much, you know, throughout the teachings and all of that. Um, well, you know, there was a man who came to Jesus named Nicodemus, and who wondered the same thing: well, How do you be born again? And Jesus pointed out to him that you know it's not a matter of, of physical rebirth right? Because Nicodemus even posed the question and maybe he did it. Who knows what his attitude was when he posed the question, but he said, can a man get back in his mother's womb and be born again, right? So in other words, he's just saying, come on, Jesus, what is this born again thing? Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And just like we read about tonight, there's an old man. There's a part of us that you know, we're just born into a world of sin. We're born into a world where, you know, we're, we walk by sight and not by faith. And then we're being called to walk by faith and not by sight. We're being called to something spiritual and not something physical anymore, where everything we do in life is all about the physical, what I see, my five senses, and all of that kind of thing, right? So to be born again is something that happens spiritually. It's something that happens inwardly. And it happens when we take up the cross. We deny ourselves. We say it's no longer about me living in accordance with the flesh. It's no longer about what I see or what I hear the world tell me, or what the world shows me. It's not about what I can touch. It's not about any of that kind of stuff anymore. It's now the thing that matters is what pleases God, like we read tonight as well, right? What pleases God. And it's the things that please God that the person that is born again wants to strive for. So when you find within yourself, there's a desire to know the things that please God, when you, when you want to be pleasing to God and you want to do what's right in his sight and you want to walk within God's order and all of that, right? then you know you're born of the spirit because the carnal mind doesn't do that. The carnal flesh doesn't want that, okay? But yet we still live in a world where it's easy to be tempted with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and all of this kind of stuff. And all of that still exists around us, but we have to deny ourselves. We deny ourselves and we follow the Lord. And we say, by following the Lord, we're saying, what he says, I do. He's our master, he's our Lord. He's not just Savior. He's our Master. He's our Lord. He's our King. We bow to Him, and we want to please Him. And that's a person that has been born again of the Spirit. It's something spiritual. So that's what it means to be born again. Does that make sense? Yeah, I had a coworker say today that she, you know, being good and being um, living righteously. Is. well that's part of a person that is born again they're going to desire that to live righteously she, my wife was saying that she has a co-worker that was saying about living righteously and being yes. good yes. well that's a different story that's a whole different subject to get into heaven as a result of that because we don't we get into heaven because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ you know, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, scripture tells us, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's because of Jesus. It's because God made him who knew no sin. We all knew sin. We all know sin in this life. We all fall short. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're not gonna be able to earn our way there through being good. But when we're born of the spirit, we're then gonna walk in what is good because the spirit of the Lord is gonna lead us into what is good. But when we're trying to be righteous in and of our own efforts and like, okay, well, you know, I'm righteous by going to church on Sunday. I'm righteous by going to church on Wednesday. I'm righteous by doing whatever my religion tells me I need to do, right? Well, that's not of the heart. Again, Being born again is that person that's born of the Spirit. Their inward man is renewed. That takes place by Christ accomplishing that within us, not by us accomplishing things on the outside. Okay, But the person that is born again of the Spirit will now desire those things. Make sense? (laughs) so Isaac says I could use some prayer with college now being in full swing I am ambitious to be able to share the gospel with other peers but I know I will need patience and wisdom while doing so yep there's a lot to handle when you're going to college all the schoolwork and then your heart's desire, and that's a good desire, obviously, to have that in your heart. But I would encourage you in that too, Isaac, to just let that happen. Love the people. Love the people in the way that you talk to them, the way that you express yourself to them. Don't condemn them, not that you would, but you know what I mean? Just just allow a relationship to build with those people. And as you do, you can begin to share the reason for the hope that lies within you. Because as they begin to see, you seem like a person of hope. You seem like a person that has patience and you seem like a person of tender mercy and kindness. And you will be, and we are, when the Spirit of the Lord, when we're yielding to the Spirit of the Lord within us. And when they see that, they're going to say, what is this reason for the hope that lies within you? Why do you have this? Now, you may go to college for four years or whatever it may be, and that might not happen. But that's what's called planting seeds, you know? So be diligent, just like we saw tonight, right? In the word of God here, that we're to be, um, whatsoever we do, we're doing it heartily as unto the Lord. So you're going to college to, to get your degree or whatever it is you're doing, right? You do that diligently, wholeheartedly. But then in the meantime, you're living this life that you're loving other people. And that's what Paul said, it's the bond of perfection, love, the key thing. So just an exhortation in that. But I wanna go ahead and pray and please, you know, those of you that are still watching, um, if you do have a question or something we can pray for you about, go ahead and put it in here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day. Lord, and I do jump right on into this prayer for Isaac, Lord, and your will that's being done in his life. You have begun a good work in him. You will be faithful to complete it, and you work in him to will and to do of your good pleasure. So we thank you for his life. We thank you for his commitment to you, his desire to do. What he says here even is to spread the gospel to Reach out to other people, Lord. I pray that you will give him the words and the timing. And, you know, it's like that Proverbs chapter 15, a word fitly spoken is like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. You can give Isaac those words that stand out. Lord, and you can use him by your spirit, even as he focuses on the, the the task at hand, Lord, and that is getting through this time of college in his life, Lord. But I pray your will be done in that, Lord, and that the relationships that the people that you bring around, Isaac, Lord, that you will open doors, Lord, so that seeds can be planted and that your will can be done in their hearts and minds, Lord. Use Isaac, Lord, as he desires to be a vessel for your use, Lord. And Lord, we do lift up those people, Lord. We lift up um, our Penny's aunt and uncle who have lost their home in Florida, Lord. We pray for them, Lord, that... that, They would just get reestablished, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that they know you, Lord, and that they trust in you, and we just pray, Lord, that you would help them and cause things to fall into order for them, Lord, as your children. So we lift them before you, Lord, and, and many others, Lord, many other brothers and sisters in Christ and many people without Christ that lost so much in that you know, hurricane, Lord. But Lord, I also pray for those that are without Christ, Lord, that they don't lose their soul, that, that, that they would find that focus, Lord, just as we've exhorted one another tonight from your word to set our sights on things that are above. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can gather like this. We thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whichever the case may be. Again, the recording of this will be out there on YouTube and Facebook. I don't know much about Facebook. I don't know how, much it stay, how long it stays out there. I don't know if it's for a long period of time like it is on YouTube or not, but also there'll be the audio recording of this that's out there that goes throughout the world. And we'd love to hear from you. I'd like to know where you're listening from. watching from. And again, if we can help you in any way in your walk with the Lord, in your growth in the Lord, we'd love to do so. So God bless. We will see you next time.